Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Then Jesus said to her, watch this, your sins are forgiven. You will never get to heaven unless Jesus speaks those words to you. I can't say those words to you. You will never end up in heaven unless there's a day in your life when you know Jesus says, you just confessed me, you just repented, you said you believe in me, your sins are forgiven. The story of the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with costly perfume is a story in contrasts. Pastor Mark will be teaching from the story in Luke about how the Pharisee, Simon, had a completely different view of his standing with God than the woman did about hers. We will hear Jesus expose Simon's ungratefulness contrasted with the woman's gratitude toward Jesus. Pastor Mark will show us how too often we don't appreciate what God has given us or how we can take his gifts for granted. We need to learn to look at our lives objectively, realizing that we have nothing to offer God and that we desperately need his mercy and grace. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues his message, You Have Been Given Much. Jesus is approachable and he's touchable. So what does that mean for me? I have to be approachable. I have to be able to touch people. You see, you have to understand, we don't care who comes. Everyone's welcome. It doesn't matter who comes. Now, they come and we're going to allow God to change them as he's changed us. I'm so glad we're not in a church that looks at people and looks down at people. Well, you're not like me. And look at that sinner over there. Well, wait a minute. A few years ago, where were you? So aren't you glad we have a church that's open and approachable? And why do we have a church that's like that? Because that's our role model, God. We're not here to point fingers at somebody else. We're here to have God touch our hearts. Now, when you see that, that comes from the Old Testament. Look at this. For we do not have a high priest, Hebrews 4, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We're all weak. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So the only one that's worthy is Jesus, not any of us at all. Now look at the rest of this verse. Because he's approachable, what should I do? Let us then approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. What has this woman done to Jesus? She's approached him. She's, she's crashed the party. But she's approached him with what? Confidence. So that we may receive what? 
mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. You know what that approaching is? It's prayer. That's why we're praying. When you pray tomorrow morning, when we come Wednesday night as a, as a whole group, as a family, we can approach the throne of what? Condemnation? No, 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 no. The throne of grace. Hallelujah. See, we're not worthy. But I can approach that throne of grace because God cares for us. He's approachable and he is touchable. Now, as you look at that, can I just thank you for being compassionate people? We meet needs of people all over the place through you. Thank you so much. Next week, one can, you can. We do all of that. We go to the places where we might not be comfortable with Jesus. We're fine. You know, I travel the world and I see things that you wouldn't want to even see. But it's just an amazing thing because God gives us a heart of compassion because he's changed us and we can touch them. So did Simon say that out loud? No, he said it to what? Himself. And so he says this to himself. Again, repeat it. If Jesus was a prophet, he'd know this woman's sinful because he doesn't know who she is. He's not a prophet at all. So he's pretty smirky, you know. He's not a prophet. He's probably not a prophet at all. But you're going to see in a moment, Jesus had just read Simon's mind. And he's going to teach a valuable lesson to prove it. Watch what happens in verse 40. And Jesus answered him. Answered him? That's enough to shock you right out of your shoes there, isn't it? Say what? I didn't say anything. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. He's kind of getting it. Here's something you want to write down this morning. Sometimes this is a challenge for us. God reads our minds and our hearts. You see, there's nothing hidden to God. Well, I'm going to do this in the room off to the side. My spouse isn't here. My kids aren't here. I'm on a business trip and nobody will know. Hello. God travels pretty fast. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Did you know Jesus has been reading your mind since the start of this service? Some of you, when I said generous... At the start? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> a stupid service on giving. I should have stayed home and watched Charles Stanley or something. <laughs> now, don't raise your hand, but you know who you are. Now, don't laugh at that. He, he reads our minds. Some of you, you've been in and out of this service. The thing you're thinking about is eating. <laughs> Kiki's, where do you think they're? Would you hurry up? They have a great buffet at noon. How many have been thinking that? Come on, just tell me. You've been thinking about food since you walked in this building. Come on. You guys out in the comments, put the stupid bagel down. No wonder. <laughs> One day... God said to Joshua, as he was getting ready to take the people into the promised land, four times God said to Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. What was God doing? He was reading whose mind? 
Joshua's mind. He knew that he was fearful. Some of you have walked in this morning and you're fearful because of circumstances in your life. God's been reading your mind. Here's a word for you this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See, God knows our minds. He knows what we need. And Jesus read this mind of Simon. Now watch. The story he gives is a story about generous. Verse 41. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. Now this is not the car dealership that I opened with. This is a different situation. He's actually talking about the woman and Simon. But Simon doesn't get it. The woman will get it. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Unexpectedly, this money lender showed grace and removed the debts from these two people. Each person went from hopeless bankruptcy to a new start in life. Obviously, they had an affection for the money lender. Now, in the Bible, very often when God uses an illustration, a parable, he compares sin to monetary debt. By the way, this 500 denarii would be one and a half year wages that they owed. So the spiritual application is very clear. Here, the debt is not money, it's what? Sin. The debt is sin. The two people that Jesus is talking about are what? Sinners. I owed a debt I could not pay. But Jesus paid for it all. This is my story. This is my song. Do you understand it? You have a debt. When you were born, you were born a sinner. You can't pay it off. You can't be good enough. So Jesus is going through this, and he's saying these two people had a debt, the debt of sin. That's what keeps you from heaven, and they can't pay it off. Now, who are the two people? Simon and the woman were the two sinners. The generous money lender is who? Jesus. Do you see how he took it, and he began to apply it? The only one that could pay for the sin debt was Jesus. The woman gets it. Simon doesn't get it. Now, watch this. Now, which of them will love him more, Jesus says. Well, watch Simon reply. I suppose the one that had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Who really had the bigger debt? Simon. The smaller debt? The woman. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why would you say that? Well, Simon's sins were spiritual inward. When people looked at him, they didn't call him a sinner. He was a Pharisee. But his, his sins were spiritual, inward, self-righteous. I'm better than you. Hidden from home, human view, but not hidden from God. That's why the parable. The woman's sins were more of the flesh, out in the open, public, physical, and outward. But what Jesus says is basically this. Simon, you don't get it. And then he's going to turn to the woman who did get it. He's going to say to Simon, 
You should have done some common things when I walked into the house. See, in those days, when you walked into a house, were invited to a banquet or whatever, the person bringing you in would would have somebody wash your feet, or they do it because you wore sandals and it was dusty. They would make sure you had a good place to sit. They would anoint you with a little olive oil on your head. They would give you a kiss in the cheek. That was kind of a normal procedure when you walked into the house. Now watch what Jesus does. He's trying to get Simon to get it. By the way, in the end, Simon doesn't get it at all. Look at verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, this is right in front of the people. Do you see this woman? (laughs) Does he see the woman? You've been seeing that woman since you walked in the room. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss on the cheek, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume all over my feet. Jesus says, Simon, you didn't do anything that's normal. At best, you would have used olive oil, but you didn't even do that. But this woman did all of the above in a generous way above what I would have ever expected. In fact, she poured the whole expensive perfume on me, not olive oil. Now, why did this woman do this? Write this down this morning. Understand this principle. It's huge. She absolutely was the one who knew that she needed what God Jesus had. She knew she needed forgiveness and a new start. Does Simon know that? No, he doesn't know it. Now, some of you may be here today. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm a good person. I don't need God's canceling of my sin debt. Really? And how are you going to get to heaven? Well, because I'm a good person. Wrong. You need to hear it now because if you hear it after you die, it's too late. See, good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Your sin separates you from God. That's why Jesus came. So Simon doesn't get it at all. This woman gets it. She's there either because she's already believed ahead of time, but she's never heard Jesus say it, or she's understanding now that it is real. She can be forgiven. So watch what happens in verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, in front of the whole people, remember, of prostitutes sitting among religious Jewish people. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins, how many sins? Many, have been forgiven. And her great love, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Who's he talking to? (laughs) You know exactly who he's talking to. He thinks he doesn't need any salvation. Then Jesus said to her, watch this, your sins are forgiven. You will never get to heaven unless Jesus speaks those words to you. I can't say those words to you. You will never end up in heaven unless there's a day in your life When you know Jesus says, you just confessed me, you just repented, you said you believe in me, your sins are forgiven. Sebastian Mark, why do you teach about that? We're not interested in hell. Do you know Jesus spoke more on hell than heaven? But we have people say, I don't believe it. Well, when you discover it's real, it's too late. That's why we teach all the word of God with love. Jesus says, I don't care what sins. He says, 
The sinful woman and the self-righteous religious leader, both of them needed forgiveness. But Simon was self-righteous and hopeless in the death. He never received God's forgiveness. But here, the grateful prostitute is forgiven and gets a new start. Now, when that happened, here you are in this scenario. Remember, Jesus did things that people couldn't expect. When Jesus says to this woman who's a prostitute in the town, your sins, your many sins are forgiven. What are the other people thinking in there? You have to remember what the Jewish people are. The Jewish people in those days, they knew this as a fact. Today, sorry to say, when you go to Israel, the majority of Jews, uh, they do cultural things. They do Shabbat and those kind of things. But most of the Jews today don't even believe in God anymore. You say, well, that's a shame. Well, hello, America used to be a Christian nation. That ain't true anymore either. You understand that, so don't point fingers. But in those days, they knew that who forgave sin? Who did they know? Because of all their sacrifice, who did they know forgave sin? God. So watch this, watch this question that comes up in those days. Here it comes, verse 49. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? So they hear Jesus say to this woman, your sins are forgiven. They know only God forgives sins. So here's what they're saying. Who does this Jesus guy think he is? Like God? Say with me, yes, he is God. Would you write this down? Sometimes we forget what that looks like. Simple station. Only God can forgive sin. No man can forgive sin. You can't work to get your sin debt paid. Jesus is God. Do you know this morning, Jehovah's Witness doesn't believe Jesus is God. The Mormons don't believe Jesus is God. The Jewish people don't believe Jesus is God. All the two billion Muslim people do not believe Jesus is God. He's just another prophet. In fact, he's second class under Muhammad. There's no name under heaven by where a man may be saved. The name Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't believe it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Your unbelief doesn't change truth. It's true. I say it as kindly as I can. So that was the thing. This is impossible. He can't be God. No, he is God. Now, Verse 50 is a fantastic verse. And Jesus said to the woman, can you hear this? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. Gone like that. You see, she was not forgiven because she was generous with her gift. Jesus said, what saved her? Tell me. Faith. See, works don't save us. But there is a place for works in our life. And I'll teach you that in a couple of weeks when I'm on that passage. I want you to read that. You know this passage, but it's good for you to see where good works. After we're saved, we're created to do good things, to show that God's good. Look at this verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. God saved you by his grace when you did what? When you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Everybody that comes to salvation can say, well, I'm better than you. I'm a... No, it's a gift. We're all equal. We all need a God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. She wasn't forgiven because she poured this expensive one-year thing on Jesus. So none of us can boast about it. For we're God's masterpiece. This woman was changed. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Watch me. 
Salvation comes first by grace and faith, then come the good works. You got it? Good works don't do this. It doesn't get you salvation. But we'll see next time I teach the parable of the sower. Are you really producing good works? Fruit of the Spirit? All those kind of things. I'll give you five keys and when I teach on it. It's powerful. But works never save us. So she was saved by faith and by God's grace. Now, as we start chapter 8, let me give you a context. Historically, we know that the Jewish leaders all through the Old Testament and even up to this time of Jesus, they treated women as inferior. God never treated women as inferior. But the story we just read and the verses that follow, we see the revolutionary ministry Jesus had toward women. Jesus' ministry spanned all social and moral backgrounds. He didn't care where people came from. He didn't care about the color of their skin. He didn't care if they were a man or a woman. He didn't care about any of that. Women played an incredible, very important role in the ministry of Jesus. That's one of the great things about our church, I told you. I'm so glad that women and men, it's nothing. Everybody is equal under God. Can I hear an amen? I don't care what color your skin is, what language you speak, where you came from. We're all equal under God. And the more diverse we get, let's look like the United Nations in here sometime. It's fantastic because that's what it's going to be like in heaven. Amen. You're here and say, no, I'm going to have this little private room over here with people with IQ of 112 and they have a skin color. Forget it. You keep thinking like that, you ain't going to be there anyway. You're going to be where it's so hot, nobody will tell you because you're all going to be red. Okay, let me move on from that right away. Can I hear an amen right there? Come on, that's exactly right. So we're proud. We don't build the church, God does it. So let's begin in verse chapter 8, verse 1. Watch this. After this, so there's a change in Jesus' ministry. He traveled from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 are with him. So watch me. Here he's been in, in uh, the northern part of Israel. We were just there around the Galilee. Capernaum is his headquarters. But now he's going to travel to the south. He's going to travel all over Israel. And he's got his disciples with him. Now I'm going to challenge you in the last few minutes because I want you to see this. It's very powerful. Most of you would never ask this question that I'm going to ask you. And you would never even think about this question. But I want you to think about it because it's relevant to where we are. Here's the question. As Jesus changed ministry and he goes all over Israel, how did Jesus fund his mission to take the gospel to all of Israel? This story reminds us that Jesus is approachable. We don't need to fear making our requests known to him. Pastor Mark taught that since God knows our most private thoughts, we might as well communicate our true feelings to him, being honest with ourselves and with him. Because of the woman's honesty in today's story about her true need, her need for forgiveness, she was able to receive from Jesus the thing that was most necessary, new life. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In the next teaching, Pastor Mark will be sharing with us about what faith is and what it is not. We will learn about the responsibility of every Christian that most Christians do not participate in. We'll also learn more about how Jesus' ministry elevated women in a way that traditional Jewish culture and most other cultures of that time did not. Pastor Mark will demonstrate how Christianity properly practiced is about equality of all. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.